foundation is being right with God. It means it's a blessedness that is being straight with God. It's being set right with God. It's not a blessedness that has to do with money or possessions, having a lot of family, children, or friends. It's a blessedness that is founded. Its center is being right with God, the creator of the universe. That's the blessedness that is being talked about here. You know, it's being known by God. It's the happiness and the blessedness of being on the right side with God. You know, so many times we talk about being blessed and we talk about like things that we get, you know, financial blessings or, or things that circumstances that happen in our life, you know, that we feel so well. Like we get a boyfriend and we're like, you know, we hashtag blessed. You know, we like, you know, get a new job and we're like, oh, I'm so blessed. And, 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 and don't get me wrong. These are blessings from the Lord. The Bible says that every good and true blessing comes from God. So God bless us in these ways. But the blessedness that this psalm is talking about is so much more than just things that we get from God. And the blessedness that we need to seek in our lives isn't about things or possession or circumstances. But it has to do with being right with God, being in the right position with God. Are you blessed? Are you one that God sees and says, you are blessed? You are straight. You are on my side. You are on my path. You are right. You are positionally right with me. Because a lot of times we go chasing blessings in our lives. We go chasing after things. Sometimes we fail to find ourselves, you know, we find, we go after all these blessings and we live our life trying to get blessings, but we find ourselves not really just uh, being in that place in the presence of being blessed, in the presence of God, knowing that God is with us and is for us and that no matter what happens, that we are blessed because He is on our side. Another thing I want to point out here is that it's not blessed is the king. Or it's not blessed is the rich or blessed is the scholar, but it's blessed is the man. Meaning the blessedness is attainable by the poor. The blessedness is attainable by the forgotten, by the obscure, by the downtrodden. It doesn't mean that you have to be famous or intelligent to be blessed. It's open to all. It's blessed is the man. Once again, referring to the understanding that blessedness that he's talking about has little to do with possessions or circumstances, but more to do with the condition, with, with our condition with God, being right and straight with God, straight and being in the positional rightness with Him. And this psalm shows us the ways that the two ways that we could live our lives, the lives of the blessed and the lives of the wicked, and it starts to contrast the two. And so the psalm, let's go into it. The psalm starts with blessed is the man who does not do these things. I'll read it. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Blessed is the man who does not walk a certain way, who does not stand a certain in certain places, and he doesn't sit with a certain group of people. So walk, stand, and sit. And you can say that these things refer to Three things that we can do in our lives. It, it, I, I believe that it, it could refer to the way that we think, and the way that we could, we behave, and the way and the and the into the things that we belong. The righteous man and the ungodly man are different in how they think, how they belong, and to whom they belong, or how they behave, and to whom they belong. And you can take this correlation a step further and said that say that it's progressive, meaning when you think sinfully. When you have a 
a, a thought pattern that thinks sinfully, then you're going to start to behave sinfully. And when you continue to behave sinfully and walk in sin, then you're going to start to find yourself sitting with a group of people that are unrighteous and are, and are living in sin. It's progressive. And the psalmist tells us the righteous and the blessed man does not walk down this path. And it says, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. I want to look at this first. Meaning we don't allow the wicked to influence our thinking. We don't allow the wicked ways of the world to dictate how we think and what we believe. Now the voice of the world is constantly, and every day is constantly trying to go against the, 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 the will of God, going, constantly going against the counsel of the Lord. We see it in the ways that the laws are changing around the world. We see it in the, in the way that media and entertainment depicts what's normal and what's not normal. We see it in the demonic and evil spiritual forces and influence that's out there, trying to influence people and make people think a different way. When you go out to all of the young people areas of this city, there's tarot card readers everywhere, right? That's weird. I never knew that Koreans... You know, we're gypsies, but they all of a sudden they know how to read tarot cards, right? And there's all of these different ways, that this, and these are demonic spirits and demonic forces that's trying to to get us to sit. I think where there's there's college parents that will go to like a a, a fortune teller and trying to get a, 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 an idea of what kind of person that their their son should marry to be successful, or what kind of field, and, they, and they're they're constantly. Uh, just molding and shaping their thinking with these occultic things that's actually going against the will of God. It's actually the opposite of the counsel of God. And, and there's people like this that are trying to, to, to get counsel from the wicked. We see it in what we see as the normal regarding sexuality and materialism, how we treat each other, what the world is starting to say is righteous, goes against the righteousness of God. And the righteous man does not take counsel from the wicked ways of this world, but takes counsel from the Lord. The righteous guards their thinking. They guard the way that they think. Meaning, meaning we, we, we take every thought captive. Right? It says in the Bible that we take every thought captive to, to obedience to Christ. That, that w- the, wh- however we think, we are, we are on guard to not allow other uh, worldly and wicked things to influence the, the way that we think. But takes control. It takes counsel from the Lord, because our thinking could actually change our actions. Our thinking will ultimately change the way we live. You know, the world tells us that premarital sex is fine. As a matter of fact, it's encouraged. Like, check out, you know, check it out before you buy. You know, like, there's all of these like things. The world says that like, you know, going out and and and, and having premarital sex and and all these different things is is actually okay, right? And it started to influence the mind of the believers. And there are a lot of Christians, and I've talked to a lot, a few of them myself, that believe and argue that nowhere in the Bible does it say that premarital sex is bad and that it's a sin. And they try to argue with me that it's actually fine to have sex with your girlfriend or boyfriend if you're, you're in love with him. And me and I, and I, we saw this TV show. We were watching this TV show called Mindy Project. And then Mindy started dating this pastor, and all of a sudden they sleep together, and everything was fine. And I was like, "What's going on, right? Like, like it was totally fine for him to like have find a girlfriend and, and have sex with him." But as people of God, we have to guard our thinking from the worldly messages that are out there, that's trying to constantly communicate uh, uh, these things that are not 
from the Lord into our minds. It's, there's, a, there's a message out there, a worldly message, and actually a demonic message that's trying to tear down the, the, the righteousness and the, and, the, and the goodness and the, and the wisdom of God in our lives. The way that we think, the, the wisdom that we get from the Word of God, there's a spirit out there, a worldly spirit. It's the Antichrist spirit. There is actually, it comes through entertainment, it comes to all these things that's actually trying to tear down this, the wisdom and the knowledge and the thinking that God placed upon our minds. And it's not like a liberal thing or a conservative thing. A lot of people think that, oh, you know, it's, it's the liberal agenda. Yeah, there's a lot of liberal thought that goes against the wisdom of God, but there's thinking that comes from the conservative side that also goes against the wisdom of God as well. I believe that if you take conservatism a little bit too far, you end up with racism and, and bigotry. And the way that we value one another starts to really change. And I believe that as Christians, we can't allow the voice of a political party to dictate what we see, how we see the world. But our counsel must come from the Lord. Our counsel must come from the Holy Spirit. So we have to guard how we think, even in areas of politics. I'm not saying that you, know, you can't be a this or that. I'm just saying that whatever, you, whatever kind of influence that you're getting from the world regarding certain the way you think, make sure you're guarded in that. Make sure you, you follow these things and make sure you apply it to the Word of God. Make sure it lines up to the Word of God because you might actually be getting some kind of influence or, 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 or uh, counsel that is not from the Lord. We have to be cautious from where we get our counsel, where we get the way that we think, how we think, how we believe, what we believe in, because it will ultimately affect the way we live our lives. And because it says, nor stand in the way of sinners. This talks about our behavior. We can't find ourselves doing the same thing that the world deems okay. We can't allow the world to dictate for us what is sin and what is not sin. And how we live our lives. We can't get drunk and high and say, well, everybody else is doing it. Well, it's legal now. Right? We can't be sleeping around with all these different people like Tinder, swipe right, you know. No, I have nothing against dating apps. Dating apps, I, I believe that you know, a lot of women can do dating apps and find their husbands, but you... It all depends on how you use a dating app, right? And you can't just swipe right and then go sleep around with a bunch of people and expect to be, you know, be blessed and be right with God and be living in sin. Because as you continue down this path of the sinners, as you continue to stand in the way of the sinner, you might be sitting with scoffers. It says, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, meaning you might end up in a place where you're in your life where you start to scoff at the things of God. You start scoffing at the wisdom of God. You start scoffing at the Word of God. You start to mock the Word of God and the righteousness of God and the way of God. We might end up being someone that ultimately starts to reject the things of God. Now, I want you to notice the locality of these things, right? The man that is, that is like, the, with each warning that's giving... It, it, it brings you closer to, to the area of evil. Like first he's listening. He's taking counsel from the Word of God. Well, I can listen from a distance. Right? If AJ is saying something, oh, I can listen from a distance. He's like, oh, yeah, this and that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And you can start to, you can actually listen from a distance. But, you, but And then all of a sudden you start standing and you start standing with people. You're, just, you know, you're, you're standing in line and you're walking in line with people. You're getting a little closer. And then it says that you're sitting with scoffers. That you are actually in the midst, sitting with scoffers. 
sitting with people, sitting with ones that scoff at God, the ones that reject God, ones that 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 goes against the wisdom and the word of the Lord. And I've seen this happen to people in my life. I've seen godly men and women that cease to listen to the voice of God and start listening to the voice of the world, start listening to just all of the things that the world has for them. And all of a sudden, they start to take part in the things that the world has for them. And all of a sudden, you see them actually sitting and being one of the ones that actually reject God and reject the wisdom of God and reject the righteousness of God. And the psalm tells us that there is a blessedness that comes from not walking this path, from not walking down this path that leads to the wicked. And this may not seem true. It, it, it may seem that really wicked, wicked people get rich. You know, there are countless stories of people that reject God and they seem to have everything that they want in their life. People that are prideful, dishonest, cheaters, that take advantage of the poor and the downtrodden, and yet they seem to be prospering. But you see, as the people of God, we have to define blessed differently. Like I said before, our hashtag blessed cannot be same as the world's hashtag blessed. Because our blessedness comes not from the, what the world has to offer us, but from our Creator. It's a blessedness that comes from connection with God. And, and being right with God, being in line with God. And it's not one that the world offers us. It's the difference between getting things from a king and being a family member of a king. Right? We, could, I, we could try to like get something from God, but do you actually want to be right with God? Having the king give you something versus the king having his best interest in mind for you. And it's out of relationship. Can, some, can you give me a glass of water inside? But so many times we treat the king like a vending machine, right? We act a certain way so that we can get a blessing for God. We act right. We, do, we walk right because ultimately we feel like in our heart that like there's a, we want a certain blessing that we want from the Lord. And we spend very little time and effort in being rela- in relationship with God and in being in relationship with the king. Thank you so much. Now, as this psalm shows us these two paths, the psalmist was actually, David tells us, what exactly is the main difference between the path of the righteous and the path of the wicked? And it isn't the righteous, that the righteous do good things and the wicked do bad things. But that's just the exterior of, of what this message has for us. But the true contrast between these two paths lies in what they cherish, and what they hold dear what they delight in. And the psalmist says that the difference is, he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The righteous delights in the law of the Lord. That law that is spoken of here, that word in the Hebrew is Torah. Who knows the word Torah? Everyone heard of the word Torah. The Torah is what? The first five books of the, the Old Testament. But the Torah actually is a Hebrew word that means something. And the word means instruction. It means direction. It means counsel. And the righteous is one that not only knows the Torah, but delights in the Torah. He delights in the instructions of the Lord. And on the instructions of the the Lord, he meditates on it day and night. That's the difference between these two paths. Is that the righteous, 
they delight in the ways of God. You know, what do you delight in? You know, we all, we delight in our kids. You know, I know AJ delights in, in, in Logan, and we delight in our kids. We delight in our friends. We delight in our boyfriends and our girlfriends. We delight in a great movie. You know, we just, we saw Crazy Rich Asians the other day. It was a good movie. I, I'm not going to lie, I cried a little bit. Right? It's a very delightful movie, right? We delight in movies. We delight in nature. We delight in new experiences like traveling. Our, our, our pastor Myungwap in Seoul went on this 40-day trip around Europe. It looked delightful, man. And she, she sent some of the, she put on Instagram some of the most amazing pictures I've ever seen. You know, I don't know how her photography game got so tight. But you could tell that she was delighting in traveling. She was going around and seeing all these amazing things. And she was delighting in the things that she was seeing. We delight in, in the things that are on this world. But do we delight in the instruction of the Lord? Do you delight in doing and obeying the word of the Lord? Do you delight in meditating in the word of the Lord? Because in this psalm, which is the first psalm, the precursor to all of the lessons that will follow, all of the truth and the things that will follow, the thing that makes all of the difference in how we view the word of God is how, is how we delight in it. I believe this is why the, it's in the beginning. It's like this thing where like, hey, if you want to really follow this book, if you really want to read this book for what it's worth, and it's a big book. It's the biggest book in the Bible, right? If you want to read all of the, these psalms and really just get everything that you, that you can from this book, here's the key. You have to be one that delights in the law of the Lord. And you have to meditate on His law. You have to meditate on His instructions. And here's the issue, because we do, you know, we have to be disciplined when it comes to the Word of God. We need to take it seriously. We need to train ourselves in reading it and meditating on the Word of God. But let me tell you something. If you come to delight in the Word of God, you won't need to be very disciplined. Because it's a hard issue. You'll, you'll come to a place where you, you, you can't wait to go back into the Word of God and, you, and to delight in what He has to say for us. And I believe that's how we view, that how we view the Word of God is in direct correlation with how we view God Himself. If you, are right, if you are far from God, you will be far from the Word of God. But if you are close to the, His Word, you will find yourself close to God. Because His laws, His instructions, His guidance, His direction, they all point to one truth that is the foundational truth of all that the Bible has for us, and is Jesus Christ, Messiah, Christ crucified. It all points to Him. And that amazing love and the grace that He has for us. And here's a kicker. We have the Holy Spirit. Who has the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the very Spirit of God within us to lead us into God's laws, into His instructions, into His words. And He is there to help reveal to us every truth and every about God's amazing love, about His plans for us, and the amazing things that He has in store for the ones that love Him and follow Him. Do you delight in the law of the Lord? Do you delight in the instructions of the Lord? Or is it something that you do because you think it's that's something that you're supposed to do as a Christian? Because God is inviting us into a blessedness, a blessedness that comes from being at the center of God's heart, being at the center of His will for you. And it starts from delighting in His Word, delighting in His instructions. 
And when we delight in his instructions and when God tells us to do something, we do it without hesitation. We obey quickly. We hear his voice because what have we been doing all this time? What have we been doing? We've been delighting in his law, meditating on his law. And one of the things that I want to start in our church as we started this Bible reading plan is for us to delight in the word of God. For us to have a zeal and a passion for his word, for his instruction. Because what happens when we delight in the word of God is it changes our thinking. When we delight in the word of God, it starts to change what we think and what we believe. And as our thinking changes, our behavior changes. And as our behavior changes and we live our lives a certain way, we will find ourselves sitting in the presence of God. In the presence of our God. Sitting in the presence of Jesus. You know, remember the, the wicked? They're, they're thinking. Gets them to do a certain thing. Gets them to sit with all these scoffers. Well, when we meditate on the word of God, he changes us. He changes our thinking. He changes the, the life that we live. And all of a sudden, we'll find ourselves sitting in the presence of God. We'll be sitting with the Almighty. And, and, the, and Paul says that we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. For us to have a zeal and passion for his word. And these are the two paths. The path of the righteous is the one that delights in the law of the Lord. And then the psalmist draws a conclusion to what happens when we choose to follow these different paths. He talks about the righteous one as a tree. But not just a tree, but one that's planted by streams of water. Meaning the tree doesn't need rain to survive. Because it has a source of water that it draws from. It doesn't come from rain but from the stream it's planted near. His roots go deep and draw water from a source that other trees don't have. So whether it rains or it doesn't rain, it is nourished because its roots go deep into the depths of the stream. When we are ones that are at the center of God's heart, when we are ones that are meditating on the Word of God, when we are ones that are have, take delight, and now we don't do it because we think that we should, we actually take delight in the Word of God and we are delighting in His presence, we are following and obeying His instructions, we are in love with God, not just what He can do for us, but when we are really in love with Him, let me tell you, we draw our strength from a source that the world does not have access to. While the rest of the trees are waiting for the rain, we are drinking from the source, from the depths of His great love for us. So whether times are good or times are bad, we are strong in the Lord because He is our source. There's people that will look at Christians that go through these um, these crazy trials and tribulations. They're like, how do you do it? How do you do it? But when you when you ask them, they're just filled with joy. Why? Where does that joy come from? Is it because because like you know like they they have a certain they're they're sanguines and they're just like hi no. It's not because, like, you know, they have great personalities. No, it's because they're drawing from a source their strength and their joy and their peace and, and, and all of the things that make him, make them the, the righteous man and woman of God. They are, they are drawing from a source that's not, that the world does not have access to. They are like trees planted by a stream of water. They're not planted in the middle of the forest where they're waiting for rain, but they're planted by a stream where they can constantly go deep and draw from the source of the goodness of God.
And as ones that are at the center of God's will, we will be fruitful. He says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. We will bear our fruit in season. Doesn't mean it's going to be in our season. No, not necessarily. When we think it should be our season, no, not really. But in his season, and his season is the best season. And you realize not only, uh, the, the, it's not the world's understanding of prosperity. Because the world has a definition of prosperity, right? It's like in order for you to be prosperous, you need to have an income. They always talk about income of this. You need to have established this in your life. You need to have maybe this many kids. Uh, you, need to be, you need to be a homeowner. Like this is the world establishes prosperity in this way. But it says that God says that we will prosper in everything. It says that we will prosper the way and bear fruit the way that God wants us to prosper and the way that God wants us to bear fruit. And that's better than anything that the world thinks is prosperous for us. So it's being at the center of his heart. And then we had the outcome of the the path of wickedness. And the psalmist compares them to chaff. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. And when you thresh wheat, right, you guys thresh wheat, uh, the, the actual kernel of wheat gets separated from the husk, the, 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 the skin that is around. And that thing is it's called a chaff. Or chaff can also mean like dead the grass that's like, like floating around in, in the field. And all it's worth, it, it's, it's worthless. And all it just gets chopped up and burned. And they ultimately tossed out to be burned. And the psalmist says that the life of the wicked, the life of the unrighteous is like chaff. It leads to nothingness. There's nothing real. No matter how much you go after the things that you want to go afterwards, you know, you do everything. You cheat, you crawl, you climb that, that mountain, and you try to do everything that you can to be famous, to be righteous, to be like, like righteous according to the world, to be uh, prosperous according to the world. To be hashtag blessed according to the world. But at the end, it says it's like chaff. It's like, it's like, like you know, like, like suregi. Like it's just things that just get tossed out into the air. You can't even sit in its place. It just gets thrown around by the wind. The wind can just carry it out to anywhere it wants. Because that's what the life of the, uh, the wicked is like. They will not stand in the day of judgment nor sit in the congregation of the righteous. Isaiah 17, 13. The nations roar like roarings of many waters, but he will rebuke them, and they will flee away, chase like chaff on the mountains before the wind and whirling dust before the storm. All of the nations that rise up, you know, right now, all of the Asians that are, that, that are rising up, and, and ultimately, God says they're going to be like chaff. They're just going to crumble away. And Jesus talks about a similar parable, the wheat and the tares. I'll read it to you. It says, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seeds in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do, what, do, then, do, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them, that both grow together until the harvest. 
And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned and gather the wheat into the barn. Brothers and sisters, there is a day that is coming. And if you truly believe in Jesus, if you truly believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, there is a day that is coming when Jesus will return. He is coming back. And we will stand before the Lord and give an account for how we lived our lives. And at that time, all of the things that you have on this earth, all of the things that you've accomplished and succeeded in, you know, like the world, none of that will matter. But what will matter is how God sees you. For the Lord, it says in verse 6 of Psalm 1, it says, For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous. Will he know your ways? Will you be one that God sees and says you are blessed? Will you be able to stand on the blood of Jesus Christ and say that you lived and gave your life for Christ? Will you have walked the path of the righteous? Will you say, I know you. You are mine. Will you have truly given your life to Christ? And will it have affected, will he have transformed your life? You know, the psalmist gives us a preface, this precursor to the path that we are to walk, and he lives, and he says, delight in the instructions of the Lord. Delight in the word of the Lord. Delight in the, in the ways of the Lord. And he says, meditate on his laws day and night. Here, David is giving us his secret in living a life as a man after God's own heart. It's a life delighting in his word. He's giving us like his inside secret. Out of all of the Psalms that he's written, he's like, man, this is, this is how you live a life. You know, like... Who, gee, like God Himself says that David is a man after His own heart, and then He's saying this is this is one of the ways that you can do it. This is the key: is delight in the in the law of the Lord. He's giving us a secret and finding yourself at the center of His heart and will for your life. Now, I think I've mentioned this before, but one of the scariest passages in the Bible for me is Matthew seven one. It's a Sermon on the Mount. It says, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven." but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do, and do many mighty works in your name? And then, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And then he goes into the parable about building the house. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like foolish man. It will be a, like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you guys to be a people that delight in the law of the Lord, delight in the instructions of the Lord. And, you know, you may not feel this way at the beginning, but, you know, the Word of God and your relationship with God, there's a synergy there. It's a supernatural synergy. You know that God is a supernatural God. 
Like who believes that God is a supernatural God? Right? And who believes that the, the that what He said and what He has declared is supernatural? And who believes that the Word of God is supernatural, is living and active? The Bible says that the, the Word of God is living and active. And 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 as you read and as you meditate and as you ponder upon the things of God, there's a supernatural thing that will happen in your life and in your heart. You'll start to 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 delight in the Lord. You'll start to delight in the things of God. And 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 this synergy happens. You know, synergy is like two plus two equals five. Well, as you continue to contend and as you continue to go into the Word. As you continue to go into the instructions of the Lord, and you are like the man that built his house on the rock, you hear the word of God, and then you start to do the word of God. I'm telling you, supernatural things will start to happen in your life. Well, God will start to supernaturally change your heart. He will change your heart into longing and desiring his presence. He will change your heart into longing and desiring being connected with Him. He will change your heart into, into wanting to delight in His laws, to delight in His righteousness, to delight in His commandments. He will start to change your heart. And you will be like the one that built His house on the rock. And well, no matter what happens, your circumstances of your life may get really tricky. You, know, you might lose your job. Things might happen to you. But you're going to be like that tree. You're not planted off in the woods somewhere. You're not planted in somebody's backyard, you're not planted in the desert, you're not planted uh, next to like, you know, whatever, you're planted by streams of water. And, and you know that your deep, your roots go down. And you know that there is a source of water that is available for you. That even if it does not rain, even if there's a drought, even if things are, aren't going your way, you have a source from God that is beyond what the world has to offer you. Now I want us to be a people that continues to to think and 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 walk and and stand and sit, not in the ways of the world, not allowing the wicked things of the world to just come into our minds and affect the way we think, but that we will be guarded. We will be guarded in our thinking. That that being guarded, it takes it takes intentionality. You have to intentionally be guarded. That means you take certain steps to not allow certain kind of uh, uh, of counsel to come your way. You know, you, do, you take your, your steps to make sure that the counsel that you're receiving, the counsel of thinking that you're receiving, is not from the world, but is actually from the Lord. And as that counsel goes deep into your mind. And as it affects the way you live your life, you will find yourself in the presence of God. You will not find yourself sitting with scoffers that, that scoff at the things of God, but you'll be sitting with the blessed, the ones that truly are blessed, not because of all the things that they have, not because of all of the things that they possess, but they're blessed because they're right with God. Their standing with God is right. God says, you know what? The world doesn't say that they're blessed. They might not be blessed in worldly standards, but God will say He's blessed. Connor's blessed. And I want I don't know about you, but I don't want the world to tell me I'm blessed. I want the creator of the universe to tell me I'm blessed. When the creator of the universe says I'm blessed, I know I'm blessed. It doesn't matter what I have. 
It all depends on my relationship with him.